All right, welcome to another episode of Inappropriate Earl. And uh, today's episode is kind of weird and cool at the same time. Usually I know the people I'm interviewing, and uh, you know, they're either comics or pro wrestlers or actors or uh, you know, just people who I come across in my life. But uh, today's guest is very special because I don't really know her. Um, we met at her work, which is uh, a place called Pink Dot, and it's on Sunset, right by the Comedy Store. And one night, I walked in there to get an energy drink at about two in the morning, and uh, before I go to the Comedy Store, and she just had this really bubbly and charismatic personality. And I said to myself, I want to know about this girl. I want to get her on my show. Because it's, I think it's neat to get a guest who's on the rise, who's uh, s- struggling in the city of L.A., trying to make it. And I don't mean struggling in a bad way, but, uh, you know, trying to make it, whatever making it is. So please put your hands together out there in podcast land for my new friend and rising musician, Jenny Dang. Thanks, Earl. It's uh, really nice to to see your place and everything. It's it's really cool. You got all these like CDs and VHS and everything. Oh yeah, I mean I'm uh, probably triple your age, so I believe in VHS and uh, I even have a laser disc player upstairs. So, you know, when I walked into Pink Dot, and I hope I'm not uh, getting you in trouble by saying where you work. No, not at all. The more the merrier there, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you want to give out the day nights you're there, you know, so you can drum up. Are you guys on commission at Pink Dot? Yeah, we get paid hourly. And then if we work front, it's like there's like a little tip jar. Okay, and so listen, if you're in around Sunset and La Cienega, nighttime, going to clubs, going to the comedy store, wherever, stop by Pink Dot, tip Jenny well so she can get out of working at Pink Dot. And become the fabulous musician that I know she is. I just really love meeting different arrays of people there. And it's usually, a lot of it's crazy people, but it kind of makes the day go by faster. And it's always kind of interesting, you know? Like, who are the, like, when you say crazy people, like, I'm assuming drunks. Drunks, stoners. Like, I've had people come in saying that they're on dope and everything. And, like, how many of them try and pick up on you? I mean, you're a very pretty girl. Thanks. Um... I'm trying to make this as uh, less creepy as possible because you don't know me. I could be a maniac or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. And look at me just coming into a maniac's house or it could be. Or yeah, I mean, nice. <laughs> I could be like uh, Ted Bundy or something. I mean, I'm not. But I mean, what? I mean, it must be hard for a beautiful girl trying to make it in the entertainment business to fend off all the werewolves. Yeah, I mean, after a while, it's kind of like this is happening so often. You kind of have a way to kind of like weed them out i'd say like say something that's kind of like wow this girl is she's like being up front but then she's kind of she is kind of not really going with what i'm trying to do or like hit on her or anything so usually just kind of i mean i'd listen to them i'd be polite you know i'm doing my job and everything but at the end of the day i just i'm just pretty straight up I'm like no i'm not not really down for it but thanks for the invite you know what well, have you ever been down for it <laughs> like not like uh like, has a guy so impressed you with his game, you gave him your number? Um, these people have always been kind of, like, 
something has always been kind of off. So the most has been like either, oh, let's like hit up Facebook or right. Twitter or something. Something's like virtually safe. I'm like, that's that's pretty much the ball game there. Kind of like how we did it. Yeah. You were probably the one that like crossed that path. But then I'm just, I have a heart for comedians. And I'm just like, this is, you seem real, you know? And that was kind of like that, that benefactor. Well, I, I have a heart for musicians because I have no musical talent. So I've always admired people who can play instruments and sing and because it's just something I can't do. Like, what instruments are you proficient at? Um, I've been playing bass. That's been kind of like the one that I've been doing the most for the past few years. It's kind of funny how it happened. I moved here for film and I like studied business communication. Film was involved in that. And I got a few jobs on that caliber. But I met a friend that got me into playing bass. I never touched a bass before. And I played guitar growing up and everything. And we were playing together and he was kind of that totally, he loves Slash, totally into Molly Crew, likes Rat too there. And uh, he, I was playing with him in this really pitiful garage. It was like, it, it smelled, there was rats running around. And uh, he heard me play guitar and he's like, hey, why don't you try this? He threw a bass in my hand and then I just kind of was hanging on a note and it just kind of happened from there. Now, when you say there were rats running around, you don't mean actual members of the band Rat just running around. Yeah, that was that was a pun for you. Just just bring it out there. Um, I mean, they're my obsession. <laughs> I, yeah. I love Rat. Um, I wanted to ask you what what about them? I mean, they were in the age ethos of '80s. You got Molly Crew, you got the glam. What what about Rat? That was like, this is me. This is yeah, it's rock and roll. See, you've turned the tables. Now you're interviewing me. <laughs> in a sense. Um, what I liked about Rat was uh, the singer doesn't have the greatest voice. Um, his name's Stephen Piercy. Uh, you know, his voice is um, rough, I guess you'd say. And But it made me, like any time a Rat song came on the radio, I was like, that's Rat because of his voice. Um, and I just like their songs. And, uh, you know, like Warren D. Martini, who is uh, their lead guitar player. He's an amazing guitar player. And I don't know if you can see it right now, but uh, Robin Crosby was the rhythm guitarist. He died of AIDS. Uh, not, you know, it's kind of a depressing part, but, uh, I was a big fan of his. So I just, uh, their look, it was like fashion rock. So, and their songs were, uh, you know, like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, they were almost, uh, too, uh, proficient. Like Rat was kind of sloppy. It's funny that you say that because they both listed Rat as like influences. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I admired their struggle in the L.A. scene. You know, they came, uh, they basically were from San Diego and uh, they came up here after seeing Van Halen and they were like, we got to do this. And uh, they struggled a lot. And like Stephen Piercy had to sleep with the booker from the whiskey just to get booked. And I'm sure that you come across not necessarily stuff like that, but there must be, you know, it must be harder. I think it's harder for a girl in comedy or music because the the sexual uh, advances that hey if you do something with me I'll get you booked or I mean have you ever experienced that? Yeah, um, I don't want to name any specific people or anything. Oh, of like course that, not. But um, yeah, there's been times where I've just played shows and everything, and those those bookers would eventually just kind of be nice and say, oh, it's a good show. Uh, do you want to hang out and stuff and kind of like cross that line? And so I've always been like, well, it's we're hanging out now, you know, I right. kind of keep it kind of upfront and safe. But um, definitely just being being a girl and just kind of going in and doing something like like music or comedy or anything. It's just for some reason there you have to kind of like 
create this kind of like barrier for yourself like kind of just to make sure that you know you're you're doing what you love but at the same time like being safe and practical about it and that's what i liked about you you show an appreciation for the like older generations of music like how old are you if you uh, yeah no i'm uh 24 and most kids your age you know they grew up with like uh no doubt weezer uh, lit uh so I, I love how someone as young as you are is so knowledgeable about, you know, like Motley Crue and, you know, even though, like, do you play that kind of, like, could you play a Motley Crue song? Um, yeah, it was, I think it was that Kickstart. Kickstart My Heart? Yeah, my uh, old guitarist, like, he just really got me into, he was, like, showing me the chords of it and we were just, like, just drinking and blazing and having fun and... Um, I hope that's safe to say here. <laughs> oh yeah, this is inappropriate, uh, Earl. Right. I, I mean, even if I'm you wanted, <laughs> if you wanted to name names of people, you please do so. Yeah, uh, Philippe Mashalani. He moved to New York recently, but he's he's really the reason why I'm playing bass. So I blame you if you ever hear this. But uh, he loves Molly Crew. He actually got he he gave me the book to read. The that, dirt. Yeah, and it was out of control. And so that once I got to that chapter where they talked about Kickstart, I was like, okay, I kind of want to actually play the song and give it a try we only really did it you know after we went through our set and just like had fun and jammed it out but that was actually the only one i ever learned so well i mean the dirt was probably the greatest book i've ever read i mean just uh, i think one of the stories was that those guys were getting laid so much that and they all had girlfriends at the end of the night they tommy lee would rub a burrito on his balls to cover up the scent of other women his girlfriend and that's just one of the organs he rubbed <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> but to me like let's say you and i were dating and i was cheating on you which i i, I don't uh, i hate cheaters i just i would never cheat on any girlfriend yeah agreed. uh i mean i've done it you know in the past and you know recently had it done and it's uh to me and it's no fun but has let's say you and i were dating you suspected maybe i was cheating on you wouldn't your alarm go off if you, let's just say you were going uh, down in that region and you smell a burrito down there? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I would think that would like, I mean, what would be a good thing to put down there to cover up the scent? Perfume. Perfume. There's things like baby wipes. There's things like sanitizer. Right. If you watch that movie, Kevin Fever, there's a thing called scope that the guy uses put the mouthwash yeah there's a scene where he um i guess because in that movie people get infected with some like disease and he got infected there where they were going to have like sex before that like right. you know, scene and he decided to go to the bathroom and he put scope and there's like a scene of you watch him do it or at least he's screaming as he's putting scope down there or something well i would think that would burn scope i would think so because uh mouthwash usually has alcohol that's why yeah I, yeah it would definitely burn down there I mean, one time I uh, was playing hockey and um, I pulled my hamstring and I didn't know it at the time. And the guy's like, put some Ben Gay uh, on the back of your leg. And so I started putting it everywhere because I was in a lot of pain. I mean, everywhere. He's like, oh, but don't put it on your balls because it'll burn. And I had to go in the liquor store next door because it was burning so bad. I'd sit on a pack of ice. So he told you like after the fact yeah. that it. <laughs> so don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you ever pull your hamstring, don't put uh bengay by your uh, privates uh, yeah just make sure it's so super sensitive or you're aware of that 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you, you might be better off with scope. I don't know how scope would feel down there for you, but unless it's like alcohol free, then it, by all means, if it's, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's going on right now in your life? Like, are you uh, in a band? Are you uh, auditioning for bands? What's go- what's up? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of in retrospect of three things right now. Like my old classic rock band ended because everyone moved, but um, I started like a new one, kind of like near that ending of that. So it's like an odd time signature. Everyone's influenced by like Faith No More, like Toolish type of sound, like a dark Portis Head type of thing. Right. So um, I've been singing lead for them and kind of recently just learning to do bass stuff. But I'm not really Getty Lee. So kind of just doing the whole bass and singing for that type of music is very like challenging. Right. I still try to do it, but I'm like, well, I'm not Getty Lee, you know. And then I have another project with my friend that we've been doing vocal stuff. And he had a band set up like a while back and... They uh, just fired their like, like singer a while ago, and just kind of I just kind of came in a few, a few sessions, and it just it's been going pretty well. Like they kind of like my writing sense. Right. And then um, another one's just with my friend. He's been kind of like schooling me on some certain bass stuff, and so we've just been doing kind of like a stoner kind of rock type of type of genre. See, that blows me away that you know who Getty Lee is. I mean, who oh, might man, be Rush? the greatest <laughs> bass player of all time. Yeah, definitely. And singing, too. I mean, that's, you know, like I'm a Kiss fan, and, you know, I would say Gene Simmons. I, I'm sure his bass his parts beast. are pretty easy to follow if if you know, if you even have rudimentary bass skills. Yeah. I mean, you could probably learn a Kiss song in under 20 minutes. Yeah, and I have I have under the influence, so I haven't, like, solidified memory of, like, replaying that stuff, but... Um, yeah, usually Kiss plays things pretty straightforward, not saying all their music is, but the songs that I've learned at least like, have been like pretty straightforward, so I can definitely see them. Like what song, like gross. Rock and Roll All Night? Um, yeah, that one. I think it's going to be that one. I, I, I mean, I don't remember, because all I remember is like, this is a Kiss song, and like what? I never really hear the title. They're like, just play this song, like play this chord here, and they're like, you just learned Kiss right there. I'm like, oh. Okay. Because <laughs> it's three chord rock. I, I I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm asking you. Um, yeah, just kind of like a lot of like Molly Crew is, like Guns N' Roses tends to be. Like I said, like not all their songs are like that, but like some of their songs, you know, are very, very like straightforward, which is, I think, it has that appeal to it, you know. Like Rush is complicated music. I mean, um, a lot of it's just that sense of like odd time signature. So, you know, how things tend to sound like. Like, say, different tempo, certain parts, and all of a sudden, like, it speeds up or has this change up, then it's, yeah, it's definitely, I think because so much more is involved versus, like, a straightforward song. It's like you play, like, a Beatles song on guitar won't be the same way you play, like, a Rush song on guitar. It's a different style, but it's also just, like, a different, like, kind of way of, like, playing certain patterns and everything as well. Like, I saw Rush in concert once and uh, was, like... That's been really cool. It was amazing. I mean, I, I'm not really a fan, but uh, mm-hmm. my girlfriend at the time was uh, working for Clear Channel, so I got to go to a lot of cool shows. And uh, she sat me side stage so I could watch the whole show. And the drum solo was just—I mean, Neil Peart is like—he he had so many drums that they had to lift him into the kit. Like he couldn't. Like wow. there was nowhere <laughs> for him to enter. And. You know, like I've seen a lot of 80s metal shows where the drum kits were like pretty crazy looking. It was more for show. Yeah. But for him, it was like he's using everything. Yeah. It was and just how the three of them could keep in time with each other. It was just uh, I even though I'm not a fan, I appreciated the ability. Definitely. It's kind of like a like a three piece thing, like Nirvana or something like that, where it's just 
um, you got to have power players to, I think, to hold up like a three piece, you know? Yeah, I mean, like Cream right. or something like that. You got to really have people that really know, like, really what they're doing. And then it's for it to sound really good is for you to just make sure everyone has their element, like, to the core, I think. I See, think that's why piece. I love you. I mean, Cream. I mean, that, that's even, like, that's almost the 60s. I mean, that's. It's so neat to see someone of your age is so knowledgeable about the history of uh you know music not just like Justin Bieber fan or, oh you know. no never that would <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything nice to say about that I mean he but, might uh, need your support uh, he's, he's having a bit of a meltdown lately yeah but. yeah and he's not really reacting like to that a lot you know he's kind of being quiet about it i think something the only news i ever saw recently of him was just that he was like giving up or taking a break or some sort of like letdown so it's just kind of like you know it's like in, in in some media aspect like they'll take something like a little piece of something and then they'll magnify it so it's just like as the person being magnified don't you want to kind of like you know just at least be real about the situation not kind of let let it because almost doing that kind of i think kind of crushes credibility in a sense right well yeah i mean i'm not his biggest fan but you know i don't yeah. hate on the guy I yeah mean, neither neither you know you know i'm a fan of anyone who makes it in the business like, yeah i'm a fabio fan i mean yeah. you know who fabio is um i know a story about him about a seagull have you heard that one no please uh, <laughs> please <laughs> um so i think it was something along the lines he was at an amusement park and he was riding one of those like theme park rides where you're in a cart and you're held down by that bar, so that's the safety. And they were there. The 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 car was going to the top of the ride, and I guess there was a like seagull that was flying at a certain distance. And as the the ride was like zooming to like slide down, like a seagull like splatted on his face. So like the seagull dies on his face because the impact was so right. tremendous. And then next thing you know, the news says Fabio kills seagull with his face. Well, like, well of, you know. Yeah, no, I'd never heard that story before. I mean. Uh... I'm just, I see him at my gym every day. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, like he doesn't seem to be uh, like the smartest guy in the world. Yeah. But he's still successful and like he's a male model in his 50s. And usually the shelf life for a male model is, I mean, by your your age, you're, you're old. Yeah. And he's still working. So I just, I have weird senses of admiration for, you know, like, you know, I admire Justin Bieber for I mean, I'm not like the biggest fan of his music, mm -hmm. but he's a huge. Yeah, for him to just kind of keep, keep carrying on, you know. Yeah, like I mean, no matter what, that's because it takes a lot of balls, man. Yo, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be a little kid singing that garbage, I mean, you gotta really <laughs> be uh, confident in your abilities. Or just go to Benihana every last end of the week or something, and just kind of <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. tie that in while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just. Uh, you know, but I, that's why I like, you know, all my 80s bands. I mean, you know, most of those bands. You know, Poison yeah. is a band that maybe musically weren't the best guys. I love their uh, that music video. Which for, one? Uh, is it Rocky Like a Hurricane? That's Scorpions. That's Scorpions. <laughs> Scorpions are a good band. No, it's all good. My it, age comes out now. <laughs> no, now I'm getting to the root of your uh, age, uh, your youth. Yeah. To uh, most metal fans would have a heart attack if you thought the, <laughs> and they still do. Whenever I say it to my friends that I play music with, they're like, "Ah, oh, twenty-four. Oh, 24 <laughs> is amazing. Kind of, I mean, that is yeah. like, you know, enjoy it while you are, uh, you know, enjoy it while you have it. 
Like, so. I feel like I'm sort of put together. Whenever I hear my friends that are like in, in like an older generation tell me that, oh, at 24, I was doing this. I right. wasn't even thinking. It's just, it makes me think, man, once I get older, am I going to see that about myself as well, you know? No, you're going to be, uh, you're very together. I could tell. Like, anyone who has this knowledge about music and is this passionate, which is why I wanted to talk to you, like, you know, it's just, it's refreshing. And, you know, uh, when I was 24, I certainly wasn't as together as you were, are. But uh, now, do you see yourself, where do you see yourself in like six months? Um, I think I still see myself playing music for sure. Right. And then I think that's, that kind of momentum is kind of what just keeps me waking up every day. Just kind of knowing that I'm going to be doing something that I at least enjoy. Right. Um, Hopefully, you know, in like a setup, because... Being a band like in LA, especially when you're like unknown and it's just the whole factor of you don't get, you know, paid to play most of the time oh, yeah. and all that stuff. It's just, it's hard to kind of like tell like, oh, okay, in this month we're going to have these amount of shows or something like that. As right. much as like a musician hopes to play as much as they can, it's just, um, you know, dealing with like a lot of like band stuff, like especially, you know, like going back to the discussion of being a girl and, you know, being in a band full of guys or something like that and not really understanding that you know what why they don't want to practice as often or why we can't get together and it's just um it's hard to tell i just hope that one of these projects kind of like you know weed out well and then uh, music is made in a consistent manner so in six months like i know i'm playing music that's right. that's pretty much the extent of it you know are you the only girl in your band um let's see yeah for uh pretty much all all three different projects i'm the only girl and is that uh like do you have a boyfriend I do. And is that, uh, like, not, that's not a problem, but, like, uh, like, are the guys in the band respect, are, are all three bands respectful of that, or? Uh, yeah, actually, they are. Um, like, the main project, the, like, the Odd Time Signature Band, uh, the drummer actually is my boyfriend. Oh, okay. So, um, I started that project, and we were both out of, like, bad relationships, and it just kind of, we spent so much time writing music and stuff, it just, we found out we had a lot of things in common, we're like, let's just try this dating thing, and I was like, oh no, there's, like, drama, I don't want to be, like, the White Stripes or something like that. Right. And, uh, yeah, but it, it's been going well, but it's, um, it's, it's just a tricky factor, because I'm, like, doing other stuff with, like, you know, all guys, and I have to reassure them and everything like that, and, um, as well as, you know, the other, the other guys I'm jamming with but they all are kind of in relationships or they're stable to that extent right so and i know i know like myself and i know kind of like if people get too weird it's just i just cut it out you know right now when you say you both got out of bad relationships i mean and this is where i want to know about the personal side like was it just a bad breakup or mm -hmm. like what i mean what 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 made it a bad relationship um, I can't speak on his end because I don't really know his story. But on my end, it was just uh, my ex at the time was also a drummer, <laughs> but I didn't. I never really played music with him, even though we. I think we jammed once or twice before. Right. Uh, he actually focused on one project because he was like running around doing three different projects, and he was constantly busy. Um, we made it work though, but he ended up moving to Nashville okay. with that band, and uh, it was just really the distance and the fact that like it was really hard because there's like a time difference in Tennessee right. versus LA, you know, so it just um, eventually just spaced out, and so it just kind of became like, you know, this is really what's happening, and it just it just didn't fan out, you know. Now, when you got into the new relationship, mm -hmm. were you a little like 
cautious about I don't want to date another drummer or musician again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just you know, it's just like especially being involved in music, it's just it's like you tend to fall in love with like different things, like, oh man, like I like that guitar sound now or I like that bass right. sound now. It's just so um I did my fair share amount of dating, like, you know, um Musicians only? It became a phase of that for right. sure. Um and then I just kind of became open. Like I was dating, like I said, I moved out here for film. So it became, it was like film people. Cause I, I was like, I immersed myself in that world. So that's eventually, I just hang out with the, those people the most. Right. So I date those people the most. And um, yeah, once I got out of that relationship, I was like, no drummers, no musicians, this is it. And uh, I guess it was just our personality that we're just really goofy. We kind of are both like bubbly people and we just like have this passion that just can't die. And so we just let the themes of that work out and it just naturally became what it was i mean that must be hard to date someone in a band especially if you're doing other bands too just because you're around so many guys and, and i'm sure he's around girls and there must be a delicate balance of trying to reassure each other like hey you're i mean you guys are exclusive i'm assuming yeah yeah definitely so do you live together um i spend a lot of time with right. him i have my own pad i'm okay. kind of very like i like to be kind of like like an agent of just like oh this is this is my turf here you right. got your turf but we can turf together from time to time so you need your quiet space like quiet creative space. space and it's yeah definitely definitely i definitely go there like a lot of times because working at pink dot it's just you know you get the schedule of night and day and then he usually works day so when that kind of weird flexibility happens i just have all that time and i just usually just play now have you ever seen any famous musicians come to pink have you ever given a famous musician, a, a burrito or something. Ah, uh, um, I haven't given them a burrito, which is you've inspired me to do. The next time, I will definitely ask. And I, when I say that, I'm actually gonna do it. But uh, Billy Gibbons came through like once or twice from ZZ Top. Yeah, and he, um, I, I recognized him the first time I met him, and then the second time was just kind of like I, I knew because I rang him up, and his receipt read Billy Gibbons, and. Um, he was he was the nicest guy ever. Really, really quiet. But then the second time he he met me, he like kind of like talked a little bit more. Was more open. Right. Um, there's a boot store next to Pink Dot yeah, that I Western hear he place. he hangs out there all the time. So I guess he gets his boots there, and hangs out all the time. And if he wants to pop by Pink Dot and get nuts or some snacks, he usually now, flies through. Do you know any ZZ Top songs? Uh, <laughs> I can't name any, but um. Like Sharp Dressed Man? You yeah, I know I know that one. Actually, there's a movie, I think, called Back to the Future. Yeah. I think it's on the third one where uh, I kept replaying that song that, that ZZ Top wrote, I think, for that music. Now, the funny thing I find about ZZ Top is the Gibbons Brothers have beards. The drummer doesn't have a beard, but his last name is Beard. That's funny. I didn't for know that. You know, I'm full of a lot of useless information. Uh, it's pretty useful. It's, it's making me uh, crack a smile here. Right. Well, that's important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I want you to come back on future episodes and uh, because I really want to make this a, not necessarily a celebrity-based uh, show I'm doing. You know, it, uh, you know, like I'll have a pro wrestler on, a UFC fighter, a musician. I'm having the drummer from Cinderella. Oh, very cool. Uh, who who works out at my gym, uh, and same gym as Fabio. And I, actually, one day I was wearing a Cinderella T-shirt. Okay. And he stopped dead in his tracks. Uh huh. Because you know they haven't uh, they still tour, but uh, he I think had the best quote of any musician I've ever heard. When this was in Cinderella was pretty big, uh, in the late '80s, and uh, 
they said, well, what are your career goals? And he's like, I just want to be good enough to play on the albums. Wow. Which was kind of like, yeah, that was like a bummer to hear that. Cause they're like, what do you mean? You're the drummer. Yeah. What do you mean you don't play on the albums? Like yeah. I, that was my first insight into most bands don't really play on their own albums. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Except for like Rush. Except for like Rush. Because no one, no one really could play like that. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's um that the all time signature band I am in with my boyfriend. That's that's kind of the uh, like appeal of that. Like I like that because the music is is really different. That finding somebody to play isn't like okay hired gun on Craigslist like right. join us type of thing. Like like everyone's very selective on who to play. Um, especially just because it's like a different, it's almost like experimental in a sense. Right. But um, like I said, they both kind of like that kind of dark melodic rock sense. So it's just kind of like it, it has this like essence to it that's kind of in its own, you know? Now, what in this uh, Odd Time Signature Band, like wh- what are you in it? Um, I sing lead for it. And bass. And uh, I haven't been doing bass really. Like the whole, when I signed on, they were looking for a singer because they uh, had dropped their old singer. Okay. Yeah. So it's the, you, your boyfriend, the drummer, and mm-hmm. what's the who's the uh, third the, uh, guitar, guitar player. player? Yeah, his name is Jared. So there's no bass. Um, no, he has something what we call a bass ghost, which he records the bass on this type of like a, it's it's some de- bass device that he plugs into the mix as well. Oh so, wow. Um, yeah. So a lot of times, like when you go see live music, it's like oh they're playing a backing track, and you can hear everything pre-recorded. What he does that's interesting is like this machine is he records real time bass to the music he makes sure to get in the timing and then he'll click it in to the like because the music is odd time that it has different tempos for different parts and everything so he he has to click it in for that moment as he clicks in the effects for his guitar okay because like i go to a, you know most 80s bands you know they're a little older and they, they can't quite hit the high notes so there's definitely yeah. uh, some manipulation in the yeah. uh, recordings and like uh, I saw the cars at the Palladium, and uh, it was four out of the five guys, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Uh, the bass player's dead, uh, so they didn't even bother with the bass player. Like it was just the four guys. Oh, really? And it was like, but I heard the bass parts. Like, <laughs> as like someone that listens to that, like, what do you? How does that make you feel? Kind of just. I mean, you know, I like. I don't know. I mean, it's their band. Who am I to tell the cars how to perform? I mean, they're <laughs> right. a legendary uh, new wave pop type of band uh the bass player was so integral in their sound and his vocals that it was like uh i mean i don't know what what could you do you either get a a replacement for him which no one could really replace him i mean his voice was just so soothing uh but i think the keyboard player who's a very famous keyboard player he had programmed the parts and and some maybe it was the same the ghost machine ghost machine I mean, I like, I don't know. I, when I go to see a concert, I like this concert to sound like the albums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you, when you go to a concert, do you like to hear like it's on the album or do you like it when they kind of like jam out? Um, Kind of a little bit of both. You know, like I definitely want to see, because I'm really selective on who plays now. There's just like a lot of band, like there are a lot of styles now that like I either like or don't like, but I know right away. Right. So um, yeah, I like I like hearing the album, but at the same time, it's like, you're there live. So it's almost like, you know, like, you know, doing comedy, like, could anything go? It's like, are you able to like push through if all of a sudden you kind of like make the wrong joke or hit the wrong note type of thing? Sure. So um, I kind of really look for that. Like sometimes I think someone told me that Jimmy Page like intentionally plays like, 
like a sour note or plays like an off key note for some reason. Right. But it's kind of his signature thing and people don't really notice it, but he does that live, you know, and when you oh, listen cool. to the album, it's like, oh, like, you don't, you know, you don't hear that. But for the fact that he actually would do something like that in a live situation, it's like, oh, that's it, maybe he's trying to bring like a new type of thing in a live situation. So oh, right on. I try to look for something that people bring on differently, like live, because it's like, oh, man, they're really good on the album. But it's like live, you know, like they're not they're not that great or alive. Like they're just, you know, I don't know. Like, but I like I like the combo. You know, if you can right. make a really good album and then you can do like a really good live show, it's like, wow, you, you know, you're like right. rock stars to me. Like, I liked Weezer when I saw them at the Palladium because they did very little uh, talking between songs. It was like, they just, <laughs> someone just hit play and they played. And they, yeah. But they were playing themselves. Uh, like, there was no background. Yeah, and, you know, they did a cover of uh, Poison's Talk Dirty to Me. Oh, yeah? Which I thought was really cool. Like, it was a very faithful cover, too. Um, and I just... I like artists like younger, not that they're younger now, but like like Lady Gaga, mm -hmm. uh, like she had the uh, saxophonist from Springsteen's band mm -hmm. in her, uh, was her big video, uh, was her first big hit, uh, On the Edge of Glory. Okay. Um, and he was dying, you know, it was just, like she really wanted him in the video. And I thought that's really cool to someone like your age, mm -hmm. showing that kind of respect for... Uh, you know, a musician of, of the past and like she had Brian May from Queen in one yeah. of her videos and I love it when younger artists show respect. Definitely. Um, so do you listen to Queens of the Stone Age by chance? Uh, you know, I'm not against them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm so stuck in the past that it's hard for me to embrace new bands. Like, like I, I just, because like in the 80s, it was just such a fun era. Yeah. Of, uh, just the videos, the you know, and that's another thing. You, you know, you don't really see videos anymore today. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard for me to embrace new, like like Bon Jovi, like you saw their videos. You're like, I got to listen to this band or, or, you know, Poison or, or, you know, like Madonna. Yeah. Uh, but like today you don't, like I've never seen a Queen's uh, video. So I, I I don't really get, and they don't really play uh, music on the radio anymore. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's yeah. just a different vibe. It's funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, you have radio stations where they play, you know, like the like the stuff, like the hip-hop stuff that's popular, the pop stuff. And then you have stations where it's like oldies, you know, music right. from the 60s and the 70s. And it's just like, like you said, it doesn't really have that, like, charm as, say, if you were in the 80s and everything was like so, there was like a scene. There was like so much involved that's like, this is you know, like uh, the song from Rat just came right. out or Poison. It's like they actually are relative to what's going on. And it's just, I think it all kind of goes back to the music industry. And there's some, for me, I feel like there's a set amount of like fear to put on something that back in the day they used to embrace, which is kind of like that, you know, that kind of the rock and roll feel. Like, like yeah. rock and roll, it's almost like the music industry just kind of wants to like kind of shun rock and roll in a sense, but like only bring it out if it's like, you know, something like Imagine Dragons, like they're incorporating right. something that's modernly convenient for them, you know? I'd say, yeah, I mean, like I got into Weezer through the Buddy Holly video. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is a great video. Who are these guys? So, you know, you go on iTunes and, you know, and it's like, it's just sad today that you, like I don't even know new bands today. Uh, you know, you can't really, uh, it's, it's such a different uh, musical climate now. That, yeah. You know, I mean, CDs are obsolete now. 
which right. is crazy to me. Yeah, right? and it's become like a singles game now. So everyone's like, let's write that catchy tune, or maybe the song can go into this movie or this commercial. And yeah, it's it's weird. It's like people don't really talk about like, oh, I, you know, I, like I sat down with like, or I had practice three times a week, and we were writing this album. Like, you almost don't hear that coming from musicians anymore, where they're like jazzed about writing a whole album or anything. You know, right? They just want the single. There's yeah, there's an like a certain amount of intent or some type of like like this goal of let's just do this and you know be be rock stars playing at the troubadour like five times like a month or something you know pay to play though definitely man that's that's the thing that gets me and uh, i had a friend that was here during that time and he told me that pay to play was happening even like in the 80s right. but it was it was kind of arising because the music industry like you know pumped up the glam bands and everything it wasn't that kind of wasn't really like the benefactor like now it's like house of blues and everything is pay to play and it's like, you know, bands that don't really have it all together, you know? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, like, if you go to the Whiskey and, and you see, like, on the marquee, there's, like, literally 12 bands' names on you. You're like, who are these guys? Yeah. And maybe there's one. Or, you know, pay to play, for those of you not really knowing what that is, is a band has to buy tickets that they, you know, the scam is, oh, well, you resell them for a profit. And, exactly. You know, but, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to make a profit on, you know, those type of shows. Um and and then so you're not booked basically on your musical ability. You're, it's uh, you're booked. You know if if the band buys a hundred tickets, who cares if there's a crowd? They we already got their money. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's like if you don't sell those tickets, those bookers will come after you, and they're like, hey, you didn't sell these tickets, you still have to pay me. Right. And that's like it's it's like a scam for the artist. So it's kind of like painful in the sense that like, oh, this is I'm just trying to be, you know, natural, organic. I love playing music. I want to play here. But it's like it, it, it lashes you if you find like the wrong booker and they're like, here, you, you know, you pay your end of the deal despite you not bringing enough people or something. Yeah. No, I mean, like in the comedy world, they're called bringer shows where, yeah. you know, you're uh, you're booked just if you can bring 10 of your friends. And then, you know, the problem is that the second show, you'll never get those friends to call you again because the first show was so bad. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to another one of your shows. And I'm sure it's like that in the music world. Like, you might fool your friends once to come to your... But, you know, you're talented, but, you know, you, you had some of these bands who, you know, maybe aren't the best yet. And, and you know, but your friends have to watch them too. And they're like, uh, just, uh, Jenny, tell me when you're having a solo show. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I've like run amok doing that stuff. It's just, that's why I, uh, as much as I love like the internet and all this Facebook and stuff, it's like really cool to keep in touch. In terms of playing music, especially with my old classic rock band, I just really didn't go all the way to do the Facebook and stuff. And really when we should have, because like now it's like when you play a show, they require you to have like SoundCloud and right. have music up. Um, I really enjoy the fact that coming to a venue and then just playing, people not knowing who you are, but it being about like, I liked what you did. Right. Being kind of like what that pays off. And of course, you're going to always have people that either like you or don't like you. Sure. But it was just kind of the fact that I didn't, I didn't really want to like, hey, friends, come support me, like do this for me. Like, you know, I, I wanted people that stuck around that really enjoyed the music to really be there. Now, what do you feel about... Uh, a show like say American Idol, The Voice, I, I know there's probably The X Factor, which yeah. I think just got canceled. Like, would you ever do a show like that or one of those? Um, I actually auditioned for one, and I was uh, I was just learning vocals. I was taking vocal lessons with an amazing teacher called Libby Lavella. Is she in LA? She is in LA. She's I think she's like Pasadena downtownish area. 
she's she's amazing she's like worked with a lot of celebrities and everything i found her out through an old roommate that was singing in a band called in droves okay and um yeah and she taught me so much and i think it, it almost kind of like inspired me to like let me just try this thing and um i did the x factor and i went to like the second round oh wow um but like something about like that real stuff is just for me it's just because i like to write music and i like to keep it kind of like organic whether it goes anywhere or not like i just want to be me in it i don't like the idea of someone telling you like you know you're singing to like to this or to that because what what right does that person have to tell you whether you have talent or not you know right. i mean if there's some a, a case in point where you're playing and then everyone doesn't like the show it's like you're trying to play metal in like an indie venue then it's then it's not gonna go well you know there's so it, music's so subjective that you know like right. oh, going sure. going to shows like that it's like um, cause how that worked, like my experience of doing it was like, they really, they tried to look for more than just like, can this person sing? Right. Like this person have the look and, you know, and all those shows tend to kind of want to look for all that stuff, you know, when at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what if you're like, you know, you look like Notre Dame humpback guy and like you, but then you have this beautiful, amazing voice or you can really shred on the guitar and play, you know, all the rat covers right. and everything, you know? Well, I don't think they uh, are looking for someone who can play the rack <laughs> covers. That uh, that would be a show I would watch. You know though. what I mean? I I would watch that show too. See, I think they should do a version of uh, American Idol or The Voice, which you know they're all the same to me. Yeah. Where you take all these '80s metal singers who are like broke and have no more money. Yeah. And and you have a contest, and whoever get wins. <laughs> gets a recording contract again that's that it, yeah i agree i think they should do something that's at least that's that would be interesting you know it would be just a different <laughs> you know like you know like a lot of these bands like van halen does not have a record deal anymore that's crazy to me that like yeah the one of the biggest bands of all time is like they don't have a label and like you know uh, a lot of band i think motley Crue puts out their own stuff yeah. I think they make more money actually because yeah. if they get there's no you know middleman in the label. Uh, Kiss basically does their own thing now, uh, but I just think if you gave some of these guys a shot, like Stephen Piercy from Rat, yeah, like I would love to have him sing like a like Boston's more than a feeling. You know, yeah, that might not that could be pretty rough. And then like when you watch these talent shows nowadays, you're not going to see people sing that type of music, or like hardly are you going to catch them. Yeah, I appreciate that like era, you know. Like I liked on the one season of American Idol, uh, the Bo Bice. Okay, he I don't think the, I saw that one. He was the uh, I think he was from Texas. He had really long hair, uh, and he sang a Badlands song, which uh, Badlands was um, the band uh, formed by Ozzy Osbourne's old guitar player Jake E. Lee, mm -hmm. and they had a singer Ray Gillen, who had maybe the greatest voice ever. I'm going to have to get you into this band because I think you would appreciate... Knowing how you uh, are so knowledgeable about the, the past eras of music, I think you would love Ray Gillen's voice. I mean, it was just beautiful. And um, like he could sing the phone book and it would be like, wow, this is amazing. And so this guy from American Idol did a Badlands song and he I think he won yeah. the season. Wow. But to me, and, and I would love to know your opinion on this, Like the problem with these winners from these music shows is they don't have a lot of material. Yeah. So when they win, they become instant headliners. Like, okay, Jenny, you just won The Voice. 
you're playing the Staples Center in, in two months on the American Idol or the Voice uh, yeah. World Tour, and like you probably don't have an album. Well, you might, but mm-hmm. like I, I find a lot of these winners don't have an album's worth of material. So it's like, what are you going to sing for an hour? You just can't do covers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean that. I mean that kind of instant stardom thing is just, right. It's it's like not fair, you know. You got like a ton of musicians that you know work at their craft and don't leave the bedroom because they're like trying to write that song or something like that. And then you have the show that's like, oh, here's the money, here's the here's this, have this, and then do it. And it's like, you know, you, who knows? Like maybe they didn't, they don't write music or something right. like that, but they just enjoy doing it. So it's like, where are they left? Like, what device do they have if they didn't have not worked at it? Are they forced to? you know, like speed up the process to get ready for that stable show in two months or something. Yeah, I mean, like I know Kelly Clarkson, like she had Desmond Child help write her a few songs, and Desmond Child is like, yeah. he's like the best songwriter ever. I mean, if you like those poppy. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, like I saw Motorhead's publishing checks because mm-hmm. my ex-girlfriend manages them still, and they were like pretty nice checks, and they didn't really have, but yeah. they had like one hit, Ace of Spades. But Desmond Child has had like, literally 50 top 40 i mean it's like he must wow yeah do you aspire to get to that level just to have just 50 top 40 hits um and it if it if it goes that way right. that would be nice you know it's like winning a lottery if you win the lottery it'd be nice um i like a lot of my musical background has always been like instrumental like that was kind of always like i never really thought of myself as like oh i'm like lead singer or like this is my thing it's just i always kind of enjoy like movie soundtracks so that was right. kind of always how like even studying something like that eventually happened naturally just because i always enjoyed what well, kind of like what was going on um i just had a brain fart <laughs> no no you got in there you, i, I yeah. no i i yeah. have brain farts all the time i was asking like like oh i guess what i was asking really was what is your like number mm-hmm. one goal in the future like do you see yourself as like a a desmond child type songwriter with mm-hmm. just tons of hits or or do you just want to be known more like uh say like a i'm gonna throw a weird name out there like a, a gary hoey who's mm-hmm. a uh guitar instrumental god mm-hmm. uh, i mean do you want where do you want to be like in 10 years like jenny dang in 10 years do you want to be on tv do you want to be doing soundtracks do you want to be like pink touring um i mean if i can do all the above right. um really just uh i really want to make an art that kind of just like has has its own signature about it right. you know um, whether it's like a clan of people liking it or like stadium worthy it's just that stuff doesn't matter. It's just kind of writing something that I'm like, man, I feel good that I put hard work into right. this. And then it sounds as the way I, like, you know, I like it. And then if you guys like it, then that's, that's cool. You know, if not, then that's cool too. Like I just see myself like kind of growing into writing something and, you know, just figuring yourself out. Cause like right. writing music is, you know, for everybody, it eventually comes down to like a personal thing, like how you play an instrument or sure. even how you write that lyric line. So um, I just love the fact that music's kind of like <laughs> I was thinking about it all day. I was like, music's kind of like having a haircut, what? and it's like when you first get a haircut, like you know, you ask them for a trim, and they might cut it off a little weird, and so it feels weird to have a haircut for a while because you're like, I don't know if this is what I want, what? and then but you grow into it, and you're like, hey, like I kind of I kind of like how this looks, so I kind of ha- like how this sounds in a what? musical kind of annotation there. Now, what what when you go to concerts? 
like it's hard for me to go to comedy shows because I, I one I want to do it instead of watch and I'm critiquing whoever like oh they could have told that joke better can you go to concerts and just enjoy them or do you like say well they could play that note differently or um, I think it's it's kind of a medium of both. I have friends of calibers that like just you know they just go, but it's because they don't play music that they don't say anything about it. Right. And I go with friends that play music that are like, oh man, like that guy's guitar tone was terrible. Like just totally kind of masking that fact. Um, like I said, like I'm pretty picky about who I go see nowadays. But if it's especially if it's like a friend that's playing that like I've enjoy, I enjoy their playing or I support them like. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to be able to like to to listen as well as you're able to create, you know, it's kind of like um, like Stephen King, like in, in terms right. of he gave advice about writing books and um, he said his biggest advice was about reading and people's response was always like, I don't have time to read, you know, and he was like, well, if you want to, you know, craft like writing or create a story, then you should, you know, you have to make the time. You right. can't really have that. So for me, like as a musician, uh, you know, like having musical envy, I don't think it's a healthy thing. So I always kind of try to like be open to idea. Like I'll know whether or not I like it, you know, whether or right. not like I'm like, oh, that sucks. But I just I, I at least I want to try, you know, sure. like, OK, I'm going to this and I'm going to try my best to not like have the hunger to like just, you know, grab that bass or grab right. that mic and just, you know, even though it's like it's in you, you know, as like a comedian, it's like you watch a comedy show. You're like, man, like, why did he say that? Like I'm ready to, you right. know, to pounce and it's like music's kind of that same atmosphere i think what's the biggest concert you've ever been to like in terms of like in, like if you ever like i saw springsteen at the coliseum mm -hmm. which was like amazing yeah i mean have you been to a show of that magnitude or um it's funny that you say that because you brought up a band that um yeah i did see them but i didn't really i had no idea i was gonna go to their show it was actually bon jovi oh and wow they played at the staples downtown and uh, an old boss of mine, so I used to work uh, in Beverly Hills at the farmer's market every Sunday. Okay. And uh, yeah, um, my boss was named Dirk, and he uh, hit me up after a while, and he's like, hey, I got tickets to Bon Jovi, you know. And then all my Bon Jovi friends were like, you know, like they were they were going to the show, but obviously I like, you know, I tried hitting them up, and they weren't around. And then I was just like, Bon Jovi, uh, you know, because I don't listen to them a lot, but I'm right. aware of their music. And I was, and a lot of my other friends that are all into like noise rock is like, oh Bon Jovi, why are you going to that? And but I decided to go. I was like, okay, I'm being open about this. This is probably one of the biggest venues I can go to L.A. I'm gonna go. So I meet up with my boss. I show up, and the minute like the music starts happening, they are pounding it out. They're like marathon runners. It is, it is a good show. I'm like whether, like I like the music or not, which they pulled it off and it was right. great. Cause I'm not, I wasn't familiar with only their hits, you know. Right. And so, wow, it was, it was a good experience. It was like really good musicians, really tight set. It was, it was a good show, and it was a ton of people that was just standing up most of the time, like cheering even when there wasn't music being played. It was, it was a really good experience. Oh, I love Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. Who coincidentally most of their hits were written by Desmond Child. Oh, is that? So, yeah. It's like this, uh, <laughs> yeah. I try and have my podcast, everything gets tied up together. Uh, so he's like their main songwriter. So Yeah. Um, and it, it just their publishing, his publishing on their hits must be just unbelievable. I mean, they've had like, you know, at least two, three hits from each album for, you know, 25 years. Yeah. So, But now he's kind of getting into the acting thing. So he's not, I don't know if Bon Jovi's a pr priority for Bon Jovi. Well, I mean, if he can do as much as he can, yeah. I, you know, I, w I wouldn't blame him. It's kind of like uh, Slash recently did a soundtrack for 
um, some horror movie. I totally right. forgot what it was called. My friend was like, hey, Slash is doing the soundtrack. And yeah, everyone's like, Slash from Guns N' Roses, right. you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, um, one of my influences is Mike Patton. Oh, and, from uh, Faith No More. Yeah, I, I love, I love Faith No More. And it's the versatility. And it's just that, that kind of the uh, spatial thinking. Right. Because I was listening to their old singer, Faith No More's old singer, like Mosley. Right. And um, it just sounded... Um, it sounded a little more straightforward than what Patton added to that band. Right. And so, but um, Patton has done tons of soundtracks, and oh, he's sure. done like a ton of a ton of different projects where it just kind of enhances that. So that's like I'm a big fan of being able to kind of kind of bend that, like bend the normal a little bit. Like he kind of likes the weird, and I'm totally yeah, about yeah. that too. He's yeah, like the musically. guy from uh, Oingo Boingo, uh, uh, Danny <laughs> Elfman, who like you know yeah. he made his big claim uh or mark in the world with being the singer from oingo boingo but he got into soundtracks and he became so successful that he didn't need to do oingo boingo anymore it's yeah like, it's same thing with the uh the drummer from the police uh Stuart copeland he, yeah i mean i the police don't like each other they hate each other so he he doesn't want to tour with them he he makes probably uh, a decent living doing the soundtrack stuff so i'm sure he tells the police hey fuck you guys you know i mean they hate each other which that's, is such a bummer that's uh what do you think about stone temple pilots you've heard about the new all the news about them right well the new singer uh yeah. i mean um you can be honest well you know i don't like critiquing a musician because yeah. yeah. i can't do it right i wouldn't like the new singer from stone temple pilots critiquing my comedy because he probably sure. doesn't do comedy um it's not for me mm-hmm. i i you know i think um there's very few and you would know this more than I would. There's very few second singers. I, I think the singer in a band is the hardest to replace. Like, yeah. B- because uh, it's just the voice of the, the songs is really what stands out the most at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even with Van Halen, who's like the guitar god, anyone else singing those songs, it's like the same David Lee Roth. Yeah. And even Sammy Hagar was very successful. It's like even with much worse examples, Rat. When Stephen Piercy left, they brought in a guy to basically do a Stephen Piercy impression, and it's yeah. like the same Stephen Piercy. So I, I and Scott Weiland's the same thing. I, I don't think I'm sure they could get someone with even a better voice, mm-hmm. or, or technically to, mm-hmm. to sing the songs. But it's like it ain't Scott Weiland. Yeah. So I don't know what I mean. Do you like the new singer? Um, I mean, he, he is, I wouldn't say he's without any talent. Like I'm the same as you. I don't really like critiquing like, you know, really anything, but you know, he, it's, it's interesting, I guess. Cause he brought around like a certain spirit and energy to, to the band itself when it's like, it's, you're in a, like in a band or in a group function and right. all of a sudden someone is dysfunctioning, you know? And it's like, you still have that, that heartbeat that's going on. It's like, what can you do? And so in step you know, Lincoln Park singer, and then he's kind right. of doing it. And it's, you know, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but he's, you know, he pulls it off, and I give him props for bringing the inspiration for, you know, like the other band members. Sure. So it's it's kind of, like, nice and encouraging that they keep that going, but it's it's also kind of like a tough call because then he's probably doing some of their songs that, you know, it was famous with Wyland, right. and now it's like he has to kind of live with, People either liking his version or either saying you're not him. Yeah, yeah. which sucks because yeah. I'm that I'm the guy who's saying you're not him. Like yeah, you know it's like when uh, Black Sabbath replaced Ozzy with uh, Ronnie Dio, who's like 
even if you don't like metal, Ronnie Dio had the best yeah. voice. I mean, oh gosh, yeah. Just like, but as great as his voice was, I mean, he's a hundred times the singer Ozzy Osbourne is vocally. Yeah. It's like that ain't Ozzy, you know. It's uh, definitely yeah. It's that style and attitude that goes back to I think why people love rock and roll and he can't die. It's just because um, you can be yourself, and once you find that that thing that you're good at, or just the way you sound, like, and you just keep working at it's like oh people remember you for that it's like hey he you know he did his voice like this and no one else no one yeah. else does that or no one else thought of that to do that you know i mean even like in journey like they found a guy uh, yeah. i guess on uh, from a youtube video it's like this guy sounds just like steve perry and he does but to me it's like you and steve perry you know? yeah and it's i feel bad like i shouldn't be that critical of you know like the singer from boston yeah. who, who passed away his voice was just so special and unique and i think they got the uh they found a ups driver who did a U youtube video mm -hmm. and he's pretty good and then they got the singer from striper the christian band to like help him whose voice is amazing but it's like you guys aren't brad delp so yeah i don't know it's tough it's kind of like going to an audition right like i mean since you know you kind of go through that too and yeah. it's kind of like you're stepping into like another scenario and then like you need to fulfill whatever the scenario someone's like right. throwing out like oh, can you be can you mimic this runner of some sort to proficiently make this commercial happen or something you know yeah it's like whenever you know when they find out i'm a comic at a commercial audition they're like they basically say well can you act like dane cook you know uh, run around and yeah. you know uh, he's great i mean he's mm -hmm. like the the Justin Bieber of, of comics. I mean, he's got so big. So, I mean, it's hard to yeah. imagine. A, a, a con I mean, I've played in front of 100 people mm -hmm. and go, wow, this is amazing. And he's played in front of 20,000. Yeah. I mean, but I, I don't act like him. I'm like, my personality is just dry and sarcastic and he's kind of happy and bubbly. Yeah, that's um. It's funny you mentioned the the dry humor because I'm totally I gravitate towards that. Right. And there's something about dry humor that like gets to me because it's like you can say something almost outlandish, right. and then it's like usually the response would be, people would take a second to think about it. It's not something like where you tell a joke. It's like oh, people get it right away or haha, that was like a cheesy pun. It's right. Like dry humor. It's kind of like it has a wit to it, like a ring yeah. to it, kind of thing. And um, I was working at a restaurant in West Hollywood. It was like a Chinese restaurant. And uh, I guess Michael Bublé, if you're familiar with that I guy. I know of him. He's a, he's a singer and he has some, like, you know, I've seen, I've seen his, like, name. That's all oh, I really sure. know. And so this guy comes in and he's just totally, he's like, he knew me, like, in two seconds. He's like, your humor is so, and then I finish his sentence, dry. Right. And he was just like, yeah, I really like it. And he, he totally lied. He was like, I'm a comedian and stuff like that. And I totally bought it out and, um, you know, rang up his check and finds out, find out that he's Michael Bublé. That's and he was yeah he was like the coolest guy but he also has like dry humor too right. and it was just kind of like man like only fellow dry humor people kind of really get dry humor i think yeah oh yeah you know? I, I think uh, a lot of people think you're trying to be a dick or yeah. like be too smart for the uh you know like the other night at the comedy store uh i'm a big pro wrestling fan and uh, long story short uh this guy was on stage, and he's like, Earl, come up here and do your impression of Rick Rude. Now, Rick Rude is a, was a pro wrestler, had this amazing body, and he would just, he would come to the ring, he would get the mic, and he would really badmouth the crowd in the driest, most 
uh, it was just the most awesome. It was an act, obviously. I mean, he would take the mic and go, all right, I want to tell you fat, out of shape, mm-hmm. lazy audience members, hold your women down. So I take off my robe and they can see what a real sexy body is like. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> so, so dry and like, it was hilarious mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And, and so when I did that on stage at the comedy store, the people who had dry senses of humor totally got it. Yeah. yeah. And some people thought I was being serious. Yeah. Like they didn't get it. Like yeah. they really thought I was calling them fat, out of shape. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, people who, you know, comedy is so subjective. It's like music. I mean, totally. I'm sure, uh, like I know in the 80s in L.A., you know, you had the glam metal scene happening, the, the Rats, the Quiet Riots, Motley Cruz, and then you had in the eastern part of the city the punk movement, mm-hmm. like Black Flag and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Fear and, uh, you know, just hardcore punk. And they the, the two sides hated each other. Yeah, so, definitely. Like, I'm sure you see it all the time. Like, you know, punk fans would be like, Motley Crue sucks. Yeah, like I hate Kiss. They're yeah. so annoying. Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. I hear, I hear that, but it's like, it's befitting from what they listen to. You know, it's like their influences will probably like say the same. Right. You know about such things. It's like, I think it really takes balls to just say like, oh, like you know, if you are like if you grew up on like Cramps and right. like Black Flag and Agent Orange, to be able to say like, you know, like I liked like Gangnam Style or something like right. that. It's kind of like, oh man, like this person is actually kind of a little more versatile. You know. Yeah, I think it's neat to have, uh, you know, to admit what you like. Like, I get uh, shit from a lot of people because of my musical uh, taste, which yeah. I even admit it. Like, I'm obsessed with this guitar player, Vinnie Vincent. Okay. Who was in Kiss, uh, you know, in the early 80s, you had Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter. Uh, Peter left, and they replaced him with, Peter was a drummer, and they replaced him with Eric Carr, who was like a very John Bonham totally reinvented their sound and then ace left because he was just crazy and so benny vincent comes in yeah and he was kicked out of kiss three times in two years because he's just complete he came into kiss going hey i'm not gonna be a hired gun yeah i'm part of the band yeah so i want full say and you know songs you know uh, the songwriting Mm -hmm. uh, how we play them and gene and paul were like <laughs> like who is this guy? Yeah, who in are you? Just... <laughs> You're insane. Yeah, you're yeah. not an equal member. You're just the guy we basically are hiring to play Ace's parts. So he didn't last too long in Kiss. He then forms the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, mm-hmm. which is maybe the cheesiest of the cheese from the '80s. I mean, just over the top guitars, over the top drums. They all look like transvestites. Uh. But I loved. I love. Vinnie Vincent could write songs. Yeah. <laughs> Two years later, he was kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Wow, his own creation yeah. there. Uh, like that's impossible. Yeah, I guess so. I guess not for him though. <laughs> but he is my obsession. Like, you know, and I think it takes a lot of balls for me to admit that. In 2014, to say that I like a band that most people, you know, even I go, why do I like this band? Like, who's your favorite band of all time? Um. If you had one concert to go to, I say, Jenny, the world's ending in 24 hours. I love you so much. Every band's having one final concert tonight. Where do you want to go? Um, It'd have to be Queens of the Stone Age. 
I really like those guys. What 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 about them? Do you do you mm-hmm. like the do you like the songs, the image, or, or everything? Um, I think it was really that rated R album that kind of sold me. It was just um, it was so it was so different. It was something something like the whole even the whole concept was just kind of like I said like the weird thing like the weird factor and he. You know, just Queens, Queens getting that kind of like, oh, they're from the desert. So they play this like desert stone rock and right. it's, it's amazing. And he even like, you know, not to quote, like says like, oh, he didn't really like kind of being called like the stoner rock thing. Like, right. But it was just kind of more of like it felt it felt weird, like it felt real to be kind of like that weird. So it's just kind of it's, it was just interesting how um, coming from like, you know, like listening to Black Flag and right. kind of like the like. The kind of like the anti glam stuff, and to um, write music that you know has this message, and for him to sing in a melodically even like high note kind of stance, right? And um, to kind of give it this kind of like kind of like cool mustache, you know, right. it's not some like trim trim mustache, but it's kind of like it uh, it's like nicely nicely chopped, but it's 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 clean and it's kind of like it's, you know it has a grit to it, you know. Well, I gotcha. And um, yeah, I don't know what it was like that got me into it but i just i think i just fell into it from hearing it from a friend and um they weren't obsessed about it they're just like oh this is you know i listen to queens of stone i listen to like judas priest or something and and then um i just slowly started listening to it and it got me through a lot of like personal stuff oh cool and cool. it just kind of became that like they're they're i think they're one of the most like kind of legit rock music sound right now being in mainstream because right. everything is so um I don't know, like, you know, sanitized now. Yeah, corporate. And it feels like, though, you know, they are, like, big and they're doing their thing, it's just, it it still has this essence of real rock for me. And so it's kind of, like, it's kind of nice, like, kind of being my age of 24 and just being like, oh, this this rock band that came from the 90s, you know, it's just like they, they're kind of still going with that edge. Like they still have that right. factor. Even though a lot of people say, oh, he was in Caius and I prefer that because it was heavier and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, I'm sure that like he knew what he wanted and I'm sure that it like, you know, as as a comedian too or any artist, like you grow and so things tend to change and stuff like that. And so it's just, um, I think listening to Queens of Stone just just kind of like a journey to to like how you accept the change, right. but you still keep that weirdness about you and that kind of rock and that edge too. Oh yeah, I like them. I mean, I like more bands that are like, yeah. have like a sense of humor and like like Bowling for Soup. I love. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they they are like this generation's cheap trick, like <laughs> where they should be more popular but i don't th- i don't i'm sure they care deep down but it's like they just like i don't know they seem like they're content with not necessarily being as known as they should be and they uh listed rat as an influence too right i think you know oh, of that. course yeah probably, <laughs> you're like that's the key there blink 182 listed rat as an influence too so well rat was of. very influential yeah. uh <laughs> you know they they kind of sold out you know i i think in the 80s uh you know when you had bands like the cars and uh you know image based bands uh starting to get big mm-hmm. I, I think Stephen Pierce he said in his book that he wanted to do fashion rock like you know they maybe concentrated more on the image than the actual musicianship you know band like poison is like really a, a big example of that but i mean rat were actually pretty good musicians like you know the bass player was uh, originally in Dawkins, and and Warren D. Martini is like, he's 
he's pretty good. And, you know, Robin Crosby, the rhythm player, was, was very good. And um, so I think they were uh, maybe out of all those bands the best technically, you know, mm -hmm. from that. I mean, Judas Priest is a great band, yeah. uh, a great voice, you know, which is, you know, kind of wild that, you know, the lead singer's gay. Mm-hmm. But that fan base would have had a riot if they would have known. Like he was pretty on the DL. I mean, do you care like about the personal lives of like like if the Queens of Stone Age singer came out and said I'm gay? I mean, do you care about like their? Can you just listen to a band? Like I don't care. Mm -hmm. But do do you? Can you separate their personal lives from just the band? Like if you know. Um. Yeah. I mean if if it was in that kind of like that distant knowledge right. kind of like it's um it's kind of like my um uh, my friend or my boyfriend saying that his his friend met uh, incubus like the lead singer of it right. and found out and then cute the guy was like an asshole towards him so he just doesn't really listen to their music and uh i guess pardon me played on like one of their hit songs and he's like i i like that song but it's just like you know, it's just like I, I remember he was kind of like an asshole right. type of thing. And so that's I guess it goes back to your question. And um, if it's something like of that nature, like if you can still craft like good songs or something of that sort, like you can, you know, be a part time, you know, like like zoo zoologist or something like right. that. And I'd still enjoy you. Right. I wouldn't kind of let your personal taste of what you enjoy, like affect me unless it starts affecting like. You know, like you become a Scientologist and you start right. writing about Scientologist themes in your songs, and then okay, that's something that I'm like, I don't, I don't know anymore. Unless right. it's really good, but um, I like I, I can differentiate it. Unless right. like if I meet somebody in person, that's kind of like the that's like cutting the ribbon at the end of the race kind of deal for me. It's like oh, like wow, you turn out to be a real asshole. Like I just, you know, just because being in LA and you meet a lot of strong independent people that are like on this quest to be an artist or to be whatever they want to be, and it's like it's like to that notch of like, wow, you realize like this person, this person isn't trying, they don't want to be who they are. Like they right. kind of, it kind of like takes the credibility again out of like what they're doing, you know? Sure. So. You know, it's always tough when you meet someone. Yeah. Like David Arquette, the actor's an incredibly cool guy. Yeah. So it was it made me a bigger fan, you know? Um, I mean, I haven't had too many bad celebrity, uh, like CeCe DeVille from Poison. Mm-hmm. I uh, met him at Mel's Diner one night, and I, I walked up to him, and I said, hey, I, I loved your cover of uh, Grand Funk's We're an American Band. And he's like, well, how'd you get it? Like, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I illegally downloaded it. And I reached into my wallet to give him a dollar, just like, here's uh -oh. your cut. <laughs> he's like, don't worry about it. I steal all my music, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was just neat. It like made me a, a hundred times more of a fan than his. Just It's neat when they're nice and... Uh, you know, like O.J. Simpson was nice to me when I met him. Oh yeah. And look how crazy. I mean, I don't know what. <laughs> was that? Happened. That was before the craziness, right? That, yeah. That was kind of. <laughs> that was before the double murder yeah. that he did. That would do. have changed it if you were like this guy was you know involved in a double murder. Then then you would be like this guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably the limit. I I I uh, you know, or the bar where the bar set for me in terms of liking disliking someone a double murder. Yeah, and it's so. it's it's a gratifying feeling when you meet somebody that is either in that retrospect of what you enjoy and they turn out to be cool people. Oh, it's the um, best. One of the first shows I played with, um, you know, my old band was, uh, you know, the Chamber Brothers? I, I do not. 
you do not and it's it's okay like there you know, like, like again like there's like a ton of musicians out there but um the chambers brothers had a hit and i can't remember what the name of the song was but willie chamber comes into the venue was called the kibitz room oh and fairfax like, yeah yeah so i've played there quite a few times and the first show was like there and uh we played um uh i forgot what song we played but willie chambers was there and right. he hopped on and he uh, sang he sang oh, wow. while we were playing and it was it was funny because he was like not only did he have like a profound voice like I, I forgot like what the hits were but he had a really profound voice and it was like while he was singing and like he let the music breathe a little bit right. like I'm like playing bass and like you know like we're p playing it faster than usual because we're excited we're like Willie Chambers oh, sure. is here and um, he like he's like turning over to me with the mic like you know after he hit that note and he's like I don't know how you're doing that how you're playing it like he was just communicating with me as he was performing and being right. real we end the song he sits down and he like asked me to sit next to him and then he pours me a glass of his own wine so he brought in his own wine poured me a glass and um our drummer at the time she was a female so that right. was like kind of like the first having another female in the band too type of thing and uh, he poured her a glass too and so we're all sharing in it and he was just like man that was that was good times and we were playing it in like a i think like a higher key like a c right. and he's like played an f next time and uh, before my bandmate had moved to New York recently, right. we played that song again. He was there again, and it ended. So it started with Willie Chambers and it kind of ended with oh, Willie wow. Chambers too. And we played it in a lower key for him too. So that was that was really really fun kind of like moment to kind of play with somebody that you at first don't know, but has this you know has this talent himself that sure. he so carries on, and he's like the coolest guy. He wears clothes it looks like it's like he's still living in the 70s right but he comes in just to check out music if he likes it he'll stick around and he liked us when he first heard us and he liked us enough to come back well, that's at awesome. our last show yeah now what do you think about female all female bands like the donnas uh um in the in the 80s of course i'll, I'll throw out a vixen, vixen? Like a, they were like a, a <laughs> you were gonna throw out the runaways <laughs> oh i love the runaways i love the uh, runaways too like lita yeah. ford was like she her you know solo peak was in in that my time frame of the 80s like do you like all female uh, bands yeah i mean i appreciate it and right. like i've i've discussed a lot about it it's kind of like everyone for some reason men and women enjoy the fact that there's women musicians right um there's like a appeal to it and so um yeah like listening to the runaways and how the runaways inspire the donnas and just um, female rockers, like, I think they kick ass and I just, you know, females like, and males though, like there's more males and females. It's just, it's, um, I don't really distinctify like, oh, that's female and male. And like, what? I kind of see it as, oh, they're like good musicians and they're, they're like me, they're female and they just, you know, they just show up and they do and they do it well, you know? Oh, I love the Donnas. They have a very, uh, they're like a female bowling for soup. Like, yeah. like to me, they should be bigger than they are. And, but I, I. I'm not sure if you reach a point in the business where you not necessarily give up, but you're just like, well, I guess this is as good as it gets. We'll just do it. Mm -hmm. Or they're, they're just happy. And But uh, they did a few songs with Stephen Piercy from Rat. I always try oh, to yeah? keep it Rat. I know, I know. It all comes back to Rat. <laughs> I'm going to like go home and listen to Rat now. Like I saw that, uh, was it Round and Round music video? Yeah, for yeah. The first, I mean, for like the first time recently, for some reason, it just like happened to be on YouTube for me. Like it just popped up. Hey, listen watch this video i watched it and i like was going i was just like laughing my ass off like when they fell from the attic onto the dining table and it was just kind of like they kept going yeah and that was um i have an appreciation for glam rock like um you know i've enjoyed slade i've done a t-rex oh, yeah. cover with my old band like quite a few times and um 
there's just something about kind of like not only do they kind of have that they have a punk attitude in the ir- ironies of punk people don't right. like the glam rock thing but they they have that attitude too on top of being like theatrical and showy and everything and um that scene reminded me i don't know if you know of a band called zodiac mind warp i've heard of them but i don't know okay. much about them um they're kind of in that they're in the glam factor too and my um my friend danny like kind of like opened my eyes to that like i've never heard of them and he had yeah. all these like you know youtube videos for some reason he turned it on and it's like this band they're just they're kind of just like they're similar to rat like in that glam essence but they come on a spaceship and they like land in a all-girls boarding school and so they're starting they're playing their song and they're like terrorizing this boarding school at the end of it all the girls turn into like like rock and roll sluts right. and chicks and everything and they all go into the spaceship and they fly back to outer space wow it had that, for some reason, it reminded me of that. I linked those two together. I was like, wait a minute, Rat, Zodiac Mind Warp. Have you guys played a show together? It's possible. Like, you know? Well, uh, the, the great thing about the round and round video was Milton Berle was, uh, he's a legendary comic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was the, the, the guy in the video and the girl in the video. Yeah. He was really uh, famous in the 60s for dressing in drag, mm-hmm. which at, at that time was kind of a, like, a little bit weird i mean you yeah. know now you have like rupaul's drag race and it's like but milton burrow and he was famous for having the biggest dick in hollywood yeah like it people will come up to him at parties and go i want to compare mine to yours i want to see if mine's bigger and he he said what section do you want me to start with like wow. his dick was so big <laughs> that he would say i'll just take out the tip and that'll be bigger than yours like so i mean that was kind of i'm sure just like he you know, I'm sure he naturally had that. He was just kind of like, you know, I can I can pull this stuff up. Like I got yeah. I got the stuff to show, you know, to prove it. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I like, you know, uh, just for that time frame, he was a pretty groundbreaking comic to dress and drag and like, you know, and I think uh, Rat's manager at the time was mm-hmm. his uh, nephew. So that's how they were. And he made, he, you know, this was right when MTV was first showing videos. Yeah. So MTV was very responsible for Rat's success. And they might not have had that success if Milton Berle wasn't in the video. Because gotcha. it was like, oh my God, that's Milton Berle. Who's this band? And then he was in their second video. And, yeah. You know, so. It's kind of like that, Um, I don't know if you know that song. I think it was like from the 80s. It was that song called Someone's Watching Me. A Rockwell. And he had Michael Jackson on there. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you never heard of this guy before. And you have this like acid trip of a video where it's like creepy. Yeah. Like for some reason, everyone's, he's being paranoid and showering and copying the psycho with a blood shower. And then all of a sudden you hear this beautiful like harmony of Michael yeah. Jackson on it. I and, always um, feel like. Yeah. And I only found out about song because that v- VH1 has all those like awesome music video countdowns. Right. And they had that on as like a one hit wonder. Yeah. He was definitely the epitome of a one hit wonder. Yeah. And, and he had, I think he was Barry Gordy's son, mm-hmm. who was the, uh, I think the founder of Motown or something. I'm not oh, wow. uh, too uh, knowledgeable about Motown, but I, Barry Gordy was is a legend. He's like Quincy Jones. Like, wow, it's Barry. Yeah. So it had to have been a bummer for to be Barry Gordy's son, to have Michael Jackson sing on your. And this was at Michael Jackson's peak of like this is before the, you know, the child molesting stuff was really hitting home, and that was like your only hit like if my dad was the the owner of the comedy store or mm-hmm. uh, the head of comedy central I, I i would expect you know greatness yeah just because it's like you know, it's all set up for you yeah so i mean i literally i don't know if rockwell's alive i don't either man he might not either <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> he might be alive and not know he might still be in the music video there 
<laughs> I mean, well, that's one more video than I've ever done. So uh, yeah, and it's it's I mean it's it's made history. You know, it's kind of there's no another video kind of like that. I guess it's got to be hard to be those one hit wonders. It's oh, yeah. like you had your your shot. You get it. Yeah. And then it's like it's um flock of seagulls was on that countdown too with that song i ran oh i love flock the guy with the hair yeah you know, and then the, that the music video of how they're spinning in that yeah. room and it kind of looks like a disco trip and everything and um i guess like their their segment was um i forgot which member it was but he's like i don't want to play that song anymore right. like stop asking me to play it i don't know which which member it was but for that probably the singer probably i think i think it was i just i couldn't recall because he was of course it's like showing them at an older age right. of like talking about it and so he's like, I just can't stand that song. And then it's like the next thing you know, they show a video footage of them playing it like at that age. And I'm like, they, they have they, to. Yeah. It's yeah. like, dude, yeah. this is the only reason people are here in this room right now. I'm telling you, it's yeah. Because exactly. of that song. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure most bands, if they have like a signature hit, yeah, they're sick of playing it. Yeah. You know, like Kiss with Rock and Roll All Night. Uh, you know, um, maybe like Boston, More Than a Feeling you know but it's like you know i think like alice cooper or something like that was talking about um like Jimi hendrix and right. how he got tired of playing foxy lady yeah like he was just like i just you know i'm sick of the song like before he actually even went on was like talking about it and yeah. then it's like everyone's like dude you're like Jimi hendrix if you have a song like foxy lady on your repertoire like you know celebrate that fact you know but he probably played it over like a million times that's just you know, it kind of goes with like, oh, it's like, because, you know, as a musician, you have to like sit there and you have to play your part. But it's like the best. It's gratifying when you can play through a whole song. Right. And the fact that once you get to that point and then you start playing that song for like, you know, like X amount of shows, it's like, OK, I can play a song in my sleep where I can play the song, like even if I'm dead. And it's just it becomes like second nature. Like, oh, it's this song, you know. Do you ever get sick of playing one song in particular? Like, um, You know, like, yeah, like repetitively doing stuff like I always um, ask someone that like. You know, like I said, like I first started playing guitar and then it kind of became bass and then it just kind of like vocals kind of just happened, you know. But um, I, you know, I practice and I, you know, work on songs like repetitively to make sure I get right. But it's like I don't I, I really try not to like beat it, you know, beat a dead wow. horse with it. Like I'll just make sure I practice it. But I let it I let it breathe because I don't want to start, you know, like practicing a song and just being like, oh, I'm, you know, sick of the song and I don't even want to play it anymore. It's like. I'm trying to, you know, make the song the best it can be. So, like, if I if I find myself like, oh, man, I'm playing this, I'll just I'll take a break and I'll, you know, put on, you know, say, like, a rap music video and be like, okay, I'm I'm breathing out. Oh, this, yeah. this is why I'm kind of doing it, you know? Wait, did you say a rap or a rat? A uh, rat, rat. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got a... Uh, <laughs> the T there. <laughs> I had the weirdest uh, deja vu moment the other day. I was driving on uh, Melrose and uh, in, the, in the video for rats... Uh, back for more there's a restaurant they uh -huh. do this stupid scene and where the uh this guy's talking to these two girls the guys from rat walking and just snap their fingers and the girls leave with them yeah and i saw that restaurant like it's still called the same restaurant that it was in the video I'm like, oh cool it was very uh i had a moment yeah with my a rat moment um now let me ask you this your boyfriend's the drummer in your, your one of your current bands right now. Mm -hmm. Have you ever? How long have you guys been dating? Um, since like I, a little bit after I joined it, so like about sometime in July. Okay, so yeah. it's uh, so you're still in the honeymoon phase. Yeah, still, still going through that. Now, have like what do you think? And maybe this has happened already. You you have a show or a rehearsal, you know, any situation where you have to, you know, play 
with him have you ever been in an argument and you still had to like oh yeah oh like, yeah has that affected either one of your performances um, I wouldn't say so. I think it, it wouldn't get to that far at that point. It would always be like, it would hit it at practice. Right. And I'm kind of that person. It's like, if you're like an asshole to me, it's like, I, I just don't really take it and not say anything. I'll like, I'll probably be an asshole, become an asshole right. all of a sudden or like a bitch or whatever you call it. It will bother me until it gets like resolved, you know? And so I got you. It was like one practice where we just, we couldn't get along and I can't figure out what the situation was. But, um, you know, like Jerry was like, I noticed there's something wrong. And so he kind of like had his, he kind of equally became, unfortunately, like the, the you know, like right. the, the, the treaty, the Swi like, you know, Switzerland of you. us. And so um, we talked it out and, um, you know, just started playing. And then just, you know, once you, that's like the good thing about music is like once you start playing, you know, all the doubts of whether right. people like this or not or whether you can get along kind of just don't really matter at that moment. Um, but definitely like when we were at practice, it's just. It, it had to be talked about for like a good hour right. before like anything was even done. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be hard to be dating someone. Like I know Gwen Stefani was yeah, dating. Yeah. I, I forget. It was the guitar player, no doubt, or the bass player or the drummer. Who I thought know? it was the drummer. You're probably right. Drummer. I'm yeah. not uh, really up on my no doubt history, mm -hmm. but I mean the White Stripes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, the, and she ended up marrying his best friend in his backyard or something. Like that some, had to like, be crazy weird. story of that story. Yeah. Uh, that might drive me over the edge. Right. But. Right. And then, uh, well, in the in the gay sense, you had the boy George, I think, dating uh, someone from Culture Club. Yeah. And I mean, that has to be. Uh, I mean, I've dated the comics before, but it, you know, you're not really. Uh, you know, we kept separate comedy worlds. So. so you never worked on a project together where it became some sort of like weird if. Oh uh, well, we were together at the time, so mm -hmm. I I mean, it wasn't that difficult. But I mean, even when you were together with someone. Uh, you know, we were working on a TV show and uh, it was, uh, you know, you have different ideas. So you kind of butt heads, it totally. kinda, you know, came home some nights, but, uh, you know, it worked out. <laughs> some nights, some nights, not. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know, uh, you just work it out and, uh, you know, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a sticky thing, really, like relationships in that kind of same field. But it's, um, it, it just comes down to, are you both like, yeah, like good communicators to each other? Because, you know, in relationships, it's just like a lot of times it's like doubt that leads to cheating right. or some sort of thing. And so um, pretty much I think we, we usually just bring it to the table right away. Yeah, yeah. Usually. No. So um, it's it hasn't gone to that point where it's like, oh, man, like now we got to play music, but we can't stand each other mm. type of thing. Like it's just um, it always, you know, music has to come first. But then oh, it's sure. also like the relationship factor where it's like it's separate. Right. So when it's like we're together and it's just the relationship and there's nothing talked about like musically, then it. It, then it, it jives well you know but i mean you sit what's well, july so it's so that's six seven months uh yeah I mean, you guys are still in the yeah i know you know. Everyone, everyone always says that they're like oh that's like that's cute and it's just i'm like is there like a timeline map, mapped out for how like the transcendence of like relationship kind of prospers or doesn't prosper i'm just i'm like i just kind of go with the flow i wake up the next day and you just you just don't know you know you don't know right. whether you're gonna just you know, ha like want to call your best friend. You might be annoyed, you know, or something like that. What's the longest relationship you've ever been in? Uh, about two years. Okay. Yeah, it was it was uh, in high school. Kept it kind of hush hush, and I was, um, I wouldn't say I was a nightmare, but definitely one of those like rebel kids. Just kind of like you know, I got my guitar when I was like about sixteen. And um, I didn't really talk to my parents and I was just kind of like I would go home and watch like MTV videos right. and just kind of like zone out. That's cool. And um, yeah, and the person I was with was um, wasn't a musician. 
was just kind of like a, a sportsy type of person played soccer okay yeah and it was it was kind of nice it's kind of nice to like oh we have different worlds and we like communicate well together and then it's just you're young so you don't know what you're doing and we both kind of just were like let's just not date anymore and it was just kind of like so whatever mm. you know i mean it's hard i find to date someone uh like if you're dating a musician i'm dating a comic like in some ways i think we're the only people who can date each other because mm -hmm. you get each other mm -hmm. like you know the the heartaches and and the ups and downs of being a musician or a comic but then in some ways it's sometimes i find that you, you almost get competitive with each other like yeah what if people start to notice me over you and or, or vice versa and mm -hmm. so it's a interesting dynamic dating someone who does what you do yeah so that's yeah. why like a lot of the actor relationships like you always see oh there these two actors did this movie together so they're together and then all of a sudden like they're not together anymore right and i had a friend that was like like a producer for i forgot what reality show and he told me that a lot of these like relationships are really manifested for right. that kind of like you know media mediocre media appeal oh sure, that sure. Sort. so it's like not it's not really you know you like it's not even a second thought as to kind of conceive like oh they're they're in the same realm they're doing the same thing this is happening like it's just kind of more of like this this makes sense for the general public to see that i gotcha know, that we relate because we were in this movie together but we actually don't because we're actually seeing other people right know, type of thing. there's so much shading going on in hollywood oh yeah and yeah. comedy and music i mean and music all the above have you ever been <laughs> cheated on yeah and it's what? not fun oh um, it's the worst yeah, my first boyfriend, um, it was in like middle school. Like I had my first real kiss with him and everything. And middle then, school? Yeah. It was like, uh, oh man, I, I didn't really take it seriously. Like I said, I was just, just like, a, like a butthole kid. I didn't know what was going on. And um, I found out, like, I guess we were dating. It was brief. It was only like maybe three weeks, less than a month. And uh, I just found out through my cousin because we even we got together in that sense. Like he asked her to ask me out and he was kind of like that shy kid. And I grew up very shy. I, right. was, I was very introverted. And uh, we kind of semi got together. I remember because he was wearing this like green, terrible Green Day shirt. It was like all like like there was like vomit on or something. But for some reason, I just I liked it. Like I was right. young. I didn't know. And then I find out that he um, cheated on me because then he um we just stopped talking like we just didn't he didn't even see me he'll come and see me every morning once i like you know have my parents drop me off to school and then he just didn't see me anymore and then he tells my cousin oh uh can you tell her that i kind of was seeing somebody else like he kind of just oh i know and he didn't even have the boss to tell me like in person like right. he just told my cousin and i guess he told her to ask me out but it was just kind of like uh you know it was just, like so brief and so and being you know like young and first relationship and the first kiss and everything i was like man this this really sucks and you know and i was just, like totally anti-dating <laughs> right. like a really early beginning um yeah and it just the cheating was like early so i kind of like caught that bug and i was like that's something I don't want to do, you know. Have you ever cheated on a guy? No. Oh, okay, that's no. cool. No. Well, cheating's no fun. That's for right. Sure. Have you? Have I ever cheated on a guy? Yeah. Never. I've never. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cheat on some girls. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you did well. That now, let's get into that story. I was going to wrap it up, but let's we can. Uh, well, we'll save that one for uh, another the next podcast. Uh, I mean, I've cheated on uh, uh, girls in the yes. Yeah, you know, it was just more about my insecurities and like yeah. just, uh, but then, you know, I was cheated on and, uh, I'll, ne I'll never cheat on anyone again. And that's kind of like a, it kind of just hap happens. Like, it's just, uh, what, what can you condone as cheating if like, 
you're in a relationship and it's like it it has ended or right. uh, like do you have to say something verbally for it to be like this relationship's over and oh you were seeing somebody that all of a sudden it's you know i mean i would prefer that i would prefer mm -hmm. to be told earl i don't want to date you anymore yeah <laughs> and yeah. then go off and you know fuck 12 guys it's like that I, yeah then stay with me and <laughs> yeah that's I, I yeah i can see that but i will it taught me a lesson i look at it as karma you know uh i i will never ever cheat on a girl again yeah. she's the pain and uh you know it's all you know i used to not believe in karma like oh, i just do whatever you want you know but now i i think i do i learned in it a very yeah. expensive lesson uh yeah I've, i mean i've done dating in a sense of where it's just like oh man like not like cheating per se i'd be up front and like right. tell them but it's just people sometimes people don't really think about like it doesn't get to them like right. it doesn't get cheating doesn't get to them so they just still try to cross your path say if they know you're in a relationship of some sort or anything so um cheating i think is also like a two-way street where it's like someone that maybe knows you're in a relationship or has an idea and right. they just still pursue it so it's like those people you know are just as bad you're probably worse because if you go through it but i think it's, it's uh in that oh it's for me when i look back now and mm -hmm. uh you know it was just uh you know stupid to think you know it was just fall it was a short-term buzz of oh this girl likes me too well if i don't tell my girlfriend at the time yeah uh, you know well i just I must mean I'm good looking, you know, if these other people aren't so stupid looking back. Going, yeah. But, you know. It, but at I, the moment, it's like, oh, you felt flattered. Yeah. Like, and, you know, the flattery that you receive with your actual relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I grew up in, uh, I mean, this really isn't music uh, related, but that's why I like to have, <laughs> I like to have guests on just to talk about life too, not just about, you well, know. Well, that's, that's what creates us, you know. That's what, yeah. imp it, like, compels us in addition to what we do as well. It's, yeah. It's the life that we, we lived. Like when I go on other people's podcasts, I don't want to just talk about comedy. I just talk about girls or relationships but uh yeah i mean it's i mean it must be, you know i think it's different for a girl like even though your boyfriend's literally in the band with you right mm -hmm. behind you i mean it like to know that uh like when you're doing a concert or, or a show to see guys in the crowd not necessarily sexually desiring you but like i guess they do but i mean it, it's got to be a great ego boost like it's um, it? It, it's 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 kind of awkward because like i remember um like i was dating my ex at the time and i was playing a show and this guy just yelled out like nice boobs right. i was like taking out my jacket and it was just like loud and you know he didn't even he didn't even say anything didn't create a scene i right. think doing it in the sense of to like just let the show go on but um like definitely it gets it's it's kind of just you know like yeah i, I could have been rock and roll and been like hey fuck you i have a boyfriend type of right. thing right away <laughs> um yeah but it was i think it was just because it was one of those like shows that I, I like it was kind of like a new thing i was doing you know right. like playing bass and singing lead and just all of a sudden this guy says that and i hadn't had my rock and roll esteem just yet and and um it just kind of was said and so it was kind of it became like man like if i was totally just if i just got off the stage and dropped my bass i could have just like knocked him one and that would have been cool to keep right. playing you know type of thing and you know yeah i don't i don't you know i didn't know that until like now oh sure <laughs> so be able to react appropriately but yeah, there's like a controversy because it's just like, I mean, I'm sure you get it because you do live like comedy and stuff that sometimes people 
say stuff when you were in relationships and yeah but i mean i think it's different for a pretty girl like i'm not saying i'm a pretty guy but you're uh, a pretty guy man i mean yeah i'm okay <laughs> you know just just you know I, you know I'm he's right. being shy everybody um <laughs> but i mean like i think it's like i can't say whenever i like when i go to the comedy store tonight and uh, you know the front patio is usually a hat being party scene you know because the front bar uh, you know, I'll notice maybe one or two girls might be uh, physically interested in me or whatever. But, like, you're a beautiful girl. Um, I mean, any room you walk into, every single guy in the, in the bar, the club, Pink Dot, uh, is going to, like, <laughs> oh, want to do stuff with you. Like, I can't say, I, you know, that's got to be a pretty intoxicating uh feeling to have you know to know that when you walk into any room every guy in the room wants you not, and not just sexually mm -hmm. but you know like you're you know very pretty i i mean that does that do your ego good or, or, do, or do you not even notice it most of the night i mean like at first it's just definitely you know just living in a small town growing up in san jose and then like moving to another small town to go to college and then living in like a small another small town it just all of a sudden come to LA it's like you get all these um these people that y they do react you know and um when it comes to well thank you for calling me beautiful comes to stuff like that I just um I I enjoy the fact that like you know it it breaks the ice I never have what? to like kind of you know think about like does that person is that person looking at me or looking through me in a what? sense of like wanting to talk to me um I don't know it's just uh I think what I enjoy is like when people like the the ten, the people that give me attention is some somebody that like sees what I can do versus right. see what lies before them type of right. thing. Sure. And um, it's like, uh, you know, you have a good comedy set and then like, you know, you notice that that one girl was attracted to you. Right. But it was like another girl that came up that was like that one joke made me laugh. And she kind of like got into like what you were trying to do, like your intention that you found all of a sudden she has you and the girl that was eyeing you, you know, didn't right. really, she didn't pursue it or she didn't like kind of engage in that way. So, um, whether that's true or not, like you said, like, I don't, I don't like dig deeper if right. in that sense, I mean, especially working at pink dot where you have people come in and they're like, they'll ask you like really weird people will come in like weird in a scenario where this guy recently was like, you're interesting and I have to ask you out. And I'm like, that doesn't change the fact that I have a boyfriend. Right. I think know? that was me. <laughs> maybe maybe that was well you, no i mean you, i, I were did you with that beard that one night yeah i had a beard <laughs> was that, was that a, you, my beanie but you have a very <laughs> <came> redhead <laughs> you you have a very engaging personality and i'm just i knew like this uh podcast has been painless like you know i was a little nervous i thought geez yeah, what, what am i going to talk to her about like after you know the first 10 minutes of like maybe asking music questions it's like okay uh you know how interesting can working at pink dot be like oh yeah and and i don't mean that as an insult mm -hmm. uh, about working at pink dot i mean it's like okay uh, you know but it's you are a very uh free spirit like it's it's very easy to talk to you and it's like you talk a lot which i love yeah because <laughs> some people no i love it i mean because as a podcast interviewer people already know about me like they they want to okay why do you have this person on the show yeah and so if they don't talk a lot it's then i have to talk yeah and it's and i it's, hear you it's yeah. hard to like it's like if you had me on your show mm -hmm. 
you know, and if I, I was kind of shy and didn't really say much, it'd be a struggle. It's kind of like going on that date that you hope goes well. Right. And then it's like for some reason you guys are still eating your pasta and that it's like you're, you're the person that took this person out on a date. Right. And you kind of have to keep bringing up questions like because that person, you know, can't instill like any any verbatim or anything like that. It just gets dry or dry without the good sense of dry. Oh, humor. sure. Yeah. Well, if Jenny's boyfriend is listening, I, I'm totally harmless. We'll get you on the next one. <laughs> that might be a wacky end to have you both here. Yeah. You know. We can play a rat song to end it off. Or Well, <laughs> I wish I had a guitar because I, I have no, um, we, well, a bass. You, you're more of a bassist than a guitarist, right? Um, but yeah, you could do I mean, both. I, can, I, I mean, bass, I'm a little better for sure. Um, but I can, you know, pull off something on guitar. No, do you pick or I mean, how do you play bass usually? Um, I started out picking, and uh, I don't know if we still have time, but um, I had uh, an interesting meeting with Lemmy from Motorhead. And that this is a great way to end the podcast. We do have time. I've got several Lemmy stories as well. Oh, so. okay, okay. Well, you know, since you know you lived around this area, he goes to the Rainbow a lot. Lives um, there. Lives there, and uh, he was you know he plays in that slot machine at that bar outside. And uh, my like my bandmate at the time was like, "Hey, like, go say hi to that guy." And I'm like, "You mean that old guy in that hat playing that game?" I was like, you know, I was like drunk and I just didn't know any better. So he pushes me to that guy, and uh, you know, Lemmy has this you know blonde guy that's like no pictures, like totally just his entourage type of thing. And I was just I was so drunk I didn't even care. I was like, "No, don't worry, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask him something." I set my drink right next to his drink, and um. I'm like, let me like, you know, I just laid it all out. I was like, I play bass. I sing what you do together. It's like, it just, you know, it rocks so hard. Like I want to do what you're doing. Like what's, what's the secret man? Like I was totally just like asking him in a drunk fury. And uh, he was just like, well, you're oriental and you're cute. I don't see anything that's wrong here in this picture. <laughs> and, um, and he invited me to his show. Um, I guess his tour at world's end tour. That was like about right. two years ago. His last tour was in um, Anaheim, and his last last one was in L.A. Right. at the Nokia. So he put me on the guest list for both, and he even gave me his number, his personal number. And um, I think I texted him like the next day or that night just to thank him. He texted me on the night of the show, of the Anaheim show, and he said, did you like the show? And I was up front, and I was like, I couldn't make it to Anaheim. I had to work. And, I'll, and he was like, okay, I'll just put you on the list for the Nokia one in L.A. So I actually ended up going to that. And oh, wow. um, he put me on the list. I think it was like VIP, but you needed like, you know, like all the VIP of VIP to get backstage and everything. So we were in the VIP with me and my bandmate. And, um, you know, I texted him. I was like, let me, I'm, you know, I'm in the room waiting for the show. Thank you so much. And then the next thing you know, a security guard comes up to me and he's like, are you Jenny? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Jenny Dang. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, bring your friend. Come on. And he leads me down to like the backstage and we go into Lemmy's like, dressing room. And there's like this like disarray of tons of people like looked like they just had a meeting and they all went out. Lemmy's in front of this vanity and like, you know, like the last person you'd expect to be right next to him is his shoemaker. Right. And he, Lemmy has all these different types of shoes laid out, like 12 different pairs at least. And the first thing he says was, oh, thanks for coming. Have a drink. I open up like the refrigerator and it's like Jack and Coke. It's like exactly what he drinks. Oh, man, I was already, you know, pretty tipsy, but I was pretty drunk by the time he got on the stage. Yeah, well, it's Lemmy's yeah. a legend. Um, and it, yeah, and it comes back to uh, I guess the, like the ender of do I play with a pick or my fingers? Right. And I asked Lemmy that night, like before that was like the last question I asked him. I said, "Hey, Lemmy, do you what do you think? Like a pick or fingers?" And he's like, "A pick all the way." 
Right. And um, ever since then, I um, I tend to play with a pick. I'll alternate just because I wanted to see, can I play with my fingers? But um, yeah, I, I play with my pick a lot, actually. Especially if I want to play like the dirtier stuff, or, like right. the more motorhead or like the more like heavier stuff. Then, um, you know, using Lemmy's, Lemmy's response, a pick all the way. Well, Lemmy's the best. Oh, know? yeah, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. my uh, ex-girlfriend man- still manages them and uh, I would have to drive them to the dentist and... Uh, one day uh, she said, hey, Earl, can you go get Lemmy's mail? I'm like, yeah, where's the key? Top dresser drawer. So I go over to his house and uh, pull the top dresser drawer out and uh, like hundreds of Polaroid pictures fall out. What the? And it's, uh, <laughs> let's just say it's of uh, pictures of, uh, uh, you know, ladies uh, <laughs> doing something to his pee-pee. There you go. And so I start. I, I couldn't take my eyes off these pictures. So I'm looking at these pictures, and I see the carpet in the pictures, and then I start looking at where I'm standing, <laughs> and I'm standing uh-huh. in the exact spot where Lemmy was. Oh, man. And then I start looking around the room. I was frozen in time and fear, and I see three video uh, cameras pointed right where I'm standing. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that was, uh, I neatly put the pictures back where they were and I got <laughs> Lemmy's mail and uh, took him to the dentist. You never brought it up to him or anything. You were just kind of like, this no. is my, my like closet discovery here. Although Lemmy was a fan of my comedy, uh, you know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, we, he's kind of a very smart, uh, he's very smart actually, if yeah. you ever can have a normal, co- like like the music conversation you have with him, but one-on-one, not at the rainbow. He's very uh, cerebral and smart, and I'm like the opposite. I'm like very, I mean, I'm street smart, but I'm, I play dumb. Like, you know. <laughs> That's actually the really smartest way to go because then it's just like, I've had friends pretend to be blind, right. and it's so, like, they, they tell me stuff. They tell me, like, people think you're deaf when you're blind for some reason, right. and they'll, they'll say stuff when you're in the room, like and but they'll say stuff about you like not thinking that you'll be aware of it right and then the minute they find out oh this guy is not blind because i you know throw an eight ball at him that like, sure. like oh snap like you know like people really don't like, yeah put the two and two together like i don't think me and lemmy would be good interview uh partners because uh, you know he's you know very uh you know comes at it from a like a, a newscaster type of uh you know smarts and i'm like i dumb it down like Stephen Piercy and I would be a great interview because he, you know, I went to his book signing when I got his autobiography and we had yeah. a nice moment because we were on the same uh, emotional wavelength. Yeah. It must have been really awesome to meet him in the, the book. It was. I mean, it was uh, at Book Soup on Sunset and uh, it was like on a Saturday morning at like 11, which I thought was a weird time for a book signing, especially for a, mu- a rock star or a musician. Yeah. And uh, I called up Book Soup. I'm like, hey, is the line... Is there a big line? They're like, no, come down here. <laughs> get so, in here and buy a book now. <laughs> like, oh man, that's not a good sign. So I get down there. I was fourth in line. <laughs> oh no, was and, there a big gathering there? Um, it probably ended up being about sixty people. So I felt better for Stephen Pierce. He was like, oh man, that's gonna be a bummer if I'm like last in line. Yeah. So uh, you know, you you would buy the book, and they would put a yellow uh, post-it on the first page with your name on it, so he could oh, just I see. see the name and just scribble it in the book. Mm-hmm. And so he, I get to meet him. He's like, hey, man, what's your name? I said, Earl. Mm-hmm. He said, Merle? I said, no, <laughs> Earl. He said, Burl? 
And like we were doing this very bizarre improv game. Yeah. And, uh, so finally, about the fifth time, I said, you know, it's right on that yellow marker, uh, yellow post. That you mm -hmm. can, it's just right in front. You have my yeah. name in your hand. Yeah. And so, you know, that was... And he was signed. A very nice guy. I don't think he's a morning person. Yeah. So... I think that's probably his agent to blame or something for booking. I don't even know if he has an agent. I think no. he uh, just he's self. Uh, so, you know, in 2014, it's, it's, he might have an agent. Yeah. But you know, some of these 80s metal bands just do it themselves now. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this uh, we're gonna have you back for more, Jenny. To, to use a rat song title, we will have you back for more. And uh, do you have now? How? What's the best way for people to follow you? Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, that's going to have the most updates just because all of the stuff that I'm doing now is like relatively new. I can guarantee that there's stuff definitely out if you just hit me up there. And it's just and, at Jenny Dang? Um, for like Twitter and everything is Jenny P. Dang. It's like the, my, my twit name. And then Facebook is just uh, Jenny Dang. So. And that's J-E-N-N-Y-D-A-N-G for those uh, who are not good with spelling. And are you on iTunes or anything or um, SoundCloud? There's okay. a, um, I guess the band, the working title is called The Uncertainty. So that's the whole odd timing in a band with my boyfriend thing. Right, right. That's, uh, that's you can hear our sounds there. So if you go on SoundCloud and put mm -hmm. Jenny Dang, oh, you put The Uncertainty. Okay, so yeah. The Uncertainty. Yeah, The Uncertainty. Uh, so I, guys, listen, Jenny Dang's awesome. Follow her on Facebook, Twitter. Go on SoundCloud. Look up The Uncertainty. Um, we're going to have her back. She might come back alone. She might come back with her man. Um, she might uh, come back with a hot chick for daddy. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, this will probably be up, Jenny, in about two weeks because we good. stagger them. Uh, but I'll let you know when it comes out. And uh, please uh, go on uh, SoundCloud as well and look up Inappropriate Earl or on iTunes, Inappropriate Earl in the podcast section. We release them every Monday night iTunes takes a few hours, so they actually come out Tuesday morning. But uh, there's a lot of episodes up there. Jenny's was great to do. I can't thank her enough. Thank you, Earl. Thank you, Jenny. And uh, look for more episodes of Inappropriate Earl coming. See ya. Oh.